Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Artists and Music Discovery in Gaming. Super excited to see all of y'all. A lot more people than I thought there would be, so thanks for being here. Uh, it's always like an interesting topic, gaming and music, and probably hearing from a woman talk about these things, but nonetheless. Yeah, thanks. Uh, huh? Yeah, let's go women. It is Women's History Month, so you know, hey, let's Hey, all right, all right. This was not planned. This is not planned. Uh, but I love that. Anyway, um, I'm Sean Alexander. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at SoundCloud. That title really means that I just get to do dope shit. Um, also, I'm a New Yorker. I'm going to curse a lot. It's not you. It's me. Please don't be offended. Um, we'll probably make you laugh some more, maybe, um, or cry. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but nonetheless, um, thank you for coming. I have some amazing people sitting next to me. The thing that I want to say is we are all collaborators and friends and co-conspirators and, and good humans. Survive. And so, yeah, exactly. Um, so if we feel a little casual, it's because we all know each other. Hopefully that will give us some really good conversation as a result. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, is we're going to not be like trying to bore you the whole time. So if you have a question... We will save time for questions, probably about 10 minutes. Think of it. Come up here. Ask us. You've got, you've got some really amazing experts here who know what we're doing, I promise. Pinky swear. Um, and so, yeah, just feel free to be like a part of the whole, the whole situation. Uh, but that being said, I will start, you know, to my left. DK, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is David Kelly. Um, those of you who are my friends call me DK. Uh, I lead the music business at 2K Games under the Take-Two portfolio. Um, so that, of course, includes NBA 2K, which most people know, but also includes the rest of our games in the portfolio. So Borderlands, Bioshock, Civilization, etc. So um, I, too, have one of the coolest jobs in the world. I am not ignorant of that fact, and I'm very grateful for it. So uh, part of the reason that I love speaking on panels like this is because this kind of gives me the opportunity to pass it forward share that knowledge um, with those that want to come up in the industry. Tight. All right, Jen. Uh, Jen Buckmaster, I head up our entertainment and music partnerships along with product placement at Microsoft. I've been there for 17 years, so I feel like I've seen the history from like Zune to AI, so ask away. <laughs> She's also being deeply humble. She's a badass. Like all the cool <laughs> things that Microsoft has done in music is pretty much Jen's doing. So Thank yeah, <laughs> women, we just don't, you know, we don't always give ourselves credit. All right, Inder, you're up. Hey, I'm Inder. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Pixelinks. It's a music gaming company that we founded about two years ago with uh, Dead Mouse and Richie Horton. Um, and the company is building a number of products that basically are looking at bringing music into interactive gaming environments. We're building our own game and then a lot of infrastructure that can help artists basically distribute their music into a ton of you know, really fun gaming platforms. So in other words, Inder's a G. Okay, um, so I kind of want to understand who's in the audience first, so I'm going to ask two very simple questions. Please raise your hand if one or both of these kind of apply to you. Do you play video games? Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes. Do you create music? Tight. Okay, we're talking to the right people. Um, because it's important because like we're talking about music and artist discovery and gaming. I wanted to make sure there were artists in the room because that's really what you're ho we're hoping you get out of this is like how to figure out how to get your music into the gaming universe, whether it's you know through some project up here or in general just sort of some takeaways. I do have some fancy facts that I'm going to share for a minute. Um, according to MRC, which is a research company, I think they actually just renamed themselves to Luminate. Um, 
Almost 30% of Gen Z music listeners use video games to discover new music. That's pretty incredible. 30% of Gen Z, so young folk, use video games as a way to find music. It's pretty tight. Um, and as the gaming world is kind of quickly becoming the new destination, this is something we've seen at SoundCloud. We've done a lot of studies and research and understanding of our audience. Um, in particular, we found that 70% of our target audience actually identifies as gamers. So this is something that we kind of started understanding about two or three years ago, which is why we've kind of gone really forward in building really cool projects in gaming. Um, there's this like really interesting intersection between artists who make music and artists who play video games that we're starting to try to unpack more and more and therefore build pipeline opportunities, resources, workshops, I don't know, panels like this in order to be able to help kind of, like DK said earlier, pay that information forward. If you don't know about SoundCloud, we are obviously an independent music platform. Uh, we're the largest open audio platform in the world, which is fancy words for anybody can put, your music, put their music on SoundCloud at any moment. We could record this entire panel and put it up on SoundCloud you know, right after this. We probably will. Um, and that's really important because that means there's no barrier for entry when it comes to sharing your music. And so that, I think, is you know, kind of why we are really kind of a go-to place, resource, platform, whatever word, community, um, you want to use for this sort of intersection of music and gaming. So I have a panel question. We're going to kind of kick it off a little icebreaker, um, which is on this side of this page. Uh, given the data that I just shared, those fancy numbers, um, can you share your perspective on gaming as a platform for music discovery? No pressure, DK. Sure. Uh, this is kind of the my favorite spot to be is between that intersection between music and gaming. Um, they're two products that I have a lot of passion for, um, mostly because I was denied both of them growing up, so it's probably a <laughs> form of rebellion. Um, I think that it's been, you know, since the advent of kind of like putting music in video games that wasn't just original score, so you go back to like Tony Hawk or like SSX Tricky, um, you know, those games, uh, those are really like kind of how people started to find their identity in that kind of niche subculture, right? Um, video games at that point were kind of still like, you know, for nerds and geeks. Um, but then all of a sudden you have this like infusion of really cool music and really cool artists who were in these games and that gave these games such a different identity in life. And it also started to get this real broad appeal for games. Like, hey, I love that band. I've never played a video game before, but they're in that game. Maybe I should check it out. Um, so for me, um, you know, based on what I do, uh, it, it's really... Um, we see that 30% figure as kind of like both a challenge and kind of like a privilege. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we get to curate for audiences. We get to curate for people who find their identity through our games. Um, we're very obsessed with identity at 2K. Um, one of our big values is come as you are. And that we really like take that to heart. It's that um, you know, anybody, any walk of life, any kind of identity uh, can come through the doors and be that person authentically. Uh, in our space, and I think that just kind of works itself out through a lot of the things we do at 2K, um, but for me, the, as it applies, it really applies to the music, and that come as you are is not necessarily like, you know, let's do what's popular, let's do what, you know, the market is telling us to do, let's hop on the bandwagon here. It's really about that authenticity and that come as you are value. So a lot of like what we do is try to say, you know, hey, player of our game, um, you can come as you are, come find some new music that you may like in this space. I can tell you as somebody who's collaborated with DK, that's very true, but we'll get there. All right, Buckmaster, let's go. 
Let's just kill first names. Let's go right to the <laughs> Yeah, <now>. sorry. <laughs> That's good. Um, so on our side, I mean, music scores everything, um, you know, people's lifestyles, everything that's important in your life. And I think once you get into to anything that you identify with, like gaming, um, it's just as important. If everything is programmed for you, it kind of starts to feel like you're getting a back rub in the same spot. It eventually doesn't feel very good. So like having new music that you maybe wouldn't uh, search out for yourself, uh, finding new artists that, um, you know, fit sort of holistically what we're doing in any game, um, and sort of bringing, bringing talent to the forefront that, that you probably wouldn't otherwise discover. I think that's a really interesting piece of the gaming um, experience. Um, as long as long as as long as there is content that is mapping to the game that you're playing, I think it gives us a huge opportunity to to bring new artists to the forefront that that you know are, are maybe not going to make it on the main soundtrack, but there's a ton of talent out there that uh, that fits what you want to be doing in gaming anyway. So it's it's super exciting, honestly. The new music discovery is probably my most uh, favorite part of my job, uh, giving giving a voice and a platform to artists that are certainly deserving that you know maybe don't have all the tools that some of the artists do. Tight. All right, Ender. Yeah, super exciting. I mean, I think, you know, all of us are, you know, I think what we love is this intersection of technology, right? It's not just music or gaming. It's like the combination of these kind of segments that kind of bring, you know, an experience to life in a, a really amazing way. So I think music and gaming has evolved. You know, Tony Hawk's is a great example in, in many of these games, which the soundtrack has just stuck with people for so long. And that's the magic, I think, of gaming and film. And, and when you start to bring music into these environments, it's like without the music, the game is not necessarily going to be as great, potentially. You know, it's still, it's still going to be amazing, but the music adds such a great layer to it that people can escape into. So I think it's, it's really exciting. But why I'm, this idea of music discovery, I think this, the idea of gaming has evolved so much, right? Gaming is not this single concept anymore. There are multiple types of... Uh, people that play games, and that could be casual, hyper-casual, all the way down to like user-generated content, which could be considered gaming at the same time. So I think it's now time to kind of broaden our understanding of what we think gaming is and start to think about how music fits in these environments in different ways, because it's not the same, right? Some games are deeply immersive, have amazing storylines, and you want to lose yourself into it. And a soundtrack can really help take that journey to a next level. Some are super casual, and you want to just kind of move, and, and it's, a, it's about the pace and you know, energy. And so I think there's just a really exciting space for music to kind of exist within the gaming landscape, and, and because gaming is so much bigger than what it used to be. Yeah, I wanted to touch on two things you said. That's the reason why I asked the question I, the way I asked, was like, I didn't ask the audience, are you a gamer? Right? Because there's a negative connotation with this concept of being a gamer. There's this picture that we've all kind of grown up with, if you will. That's why I like to ask, like, do you play video games? Because it's a, it takes away that stigma of, like, oh, video games are traditionally, you know, someone playing on a console in someone's basement and yada, 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 Doritos, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and that's, you know, I don't fit that bill. Um, so anyway, uh, the other thing that I want to touch on is, like, Y'all just kind of fed into some in interesting information that we have discovered at SoundCloud. If you can't figure out, I'm here to shill SoundCloud. Um, and so one of the things that when we asked our audience um, about sort of music and gaming, we found out that over 50% of them um, really actively listen, which means they choose the music that they're listening to. Whether it's they're choosing a SoundCloud playlist or a playlist created by someone that they love, maybe even a 
you know, an influential gamer or maybe even just someone who's cool. You know, I think about like Julian Casablancas doing like the, the radio, uh, the, the Voids radio, sorry, Colt Records radio and Grand Theft Auto. You know, like they're choosing to go down that sort of musical journey. Um, and then we also kind of found out that, just because this is fun, uh, of that sort of pie, uh, pie of folks, 46 percent of them are actually passive listeners, which is they like their music content to be fed to them. I mean, that obviously makes sense, but more what is to me kind of the most fascinating part is that more people are actively participating in this sort of space. They're actively sort of picking what music they like and like why. And we were talking about this a little bit before the panel that like it tends to be like games come with their own songs, right? Or their own soundtracks or their own sound packs, et cetera. But we, what we are seeing is, is that people are choosing their own music to sort of be a part of that journey, which I think DK goes a lot to what you were saying about identity, right? And there will be a question in a few minutes about this, but like, it's really interesting to unpack how kind of like personal music and gaming can be because you're bringing your whole self into both scenarios, right? You are accomplishing a task or beating a quest and you're probably putting on the best music that's going to hype you up to do that. And so that's where this gets really interesting because it does leave a, like, a wide open field to not just be soundtracks, right? And we've kind of seen a lot of this, and DK, I'm going to kind of throw this to you, um, especially in some of the projects we've made with, with NBA 2K, like we knew that like NBA 2K is one of the most well-wanted video games by SoundCloud users, but also it happens to be, and I'm going to say something that his PR team is going to love, to me, one of the most important soundtracks in gaming history because it does have a history of putting emerging artists forward. So if y'all didn't know, and I know this is a lot of me talking, I promise I'll pass it over, um, we, DK and I together with a, obviously our teams, you know, um, put together a, a program called NBA 2K Beats the Search, which is our way of actually elevating emerging artists onto the NBA 2K platform. I would love, DK, since we have actual music creators in the audience, if you could kind of explain that process, kind of let everybody know what we did, how we did it, and why it was impactful, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. Uh, happy to talk about that. And um, I should back up a little bit and just talk about kind of our uh, vision for the soundtrack for NBA 2K. Uh, you know, you always see the prestige artists on there. Um, you know, the Drakes, the Trippy Reds, all those will be on the soundtrack. But All SoundCloud um, artists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what we really strive to do is try to keep a 50-50 balance between artists you know and artists that you really, we think you should discover. Um, we don't take that privilege of curation lightly. Um, so what we really try to do is kind of vet it almost like a true A&R process. And so what we came up with, uh, with the search, it was something that we'd been doing for a few years, um, but hadn't really found like a great fit yet as far as a partner goes, because what we wanted to do was put a call out to the community. You know, how many musicians are in the audience today? And say, hey, we know that there are hundreds of thousands of musicians in the NBA 2K community probably just striving for their chance, trying to get heard, and we want to hear from you. If you play this game and you love this game, again, going back to identity, we want to hear what the music you make is like. So we put this open call out. Um, the problem with doing something like that is... <laughs> oh, uh, lawyers. We have, well, <laughs> aside from the lawyers and all that, we have about two million people that play that game every day. Um, I think 
current numbers, I think we probably have around 30 million installs for 2K23. So that's a lot of music that we now have to listen to. And we want to be earnest about it. We want to be authentic about it and genuine about it and really put ears on this music. So how do you do that? Uh, well, enter SoundCloud. So SoundCloud became a really, uh, and just a little bit of personal history. I grew up playing music. I've been in bands my whole life. I love music kind of like from all sides of the the spectrum, but I was a SoundCloud user in 2008, and that's where I was putting my music. So um, Shauna had approached us about, you know, kind of working on something together, and I said, hey, is there a way that we could kind of aggregate, like, you know, some music selection for, I don't know, like about 100,000 people? Um, and sure enough, no we were willing to take that on. Um, my so ears are still tired. <laughs> But the thing about that is, is that, you know, when you're doing kind of true A&R, like, you know, yeah, you have to sit down and really dedicate yourself to sorting through it. Um, but the, the reward on the back end of that was we had a list of, I can't even remember, I think it was around 20 artists. Yeah, yeah. it was, I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to. Uh, it was over 15,000 submissions in a very short window of time. And then we finally culled that down to 20, which again, that's a lot of music to listen to. <laughs> but nonetheless, 20 artists. And, yeah, and so and the, the simple exchange there was, hey, we want to put your music on the soundtrack when we find it. So SoundCloud really helped us kind of vet the songs down. We worked over, a, I think it was about a six-month process to really do the vetting. And we would check in with each other, listen to songs that said, hey, you know, here's the top 50 from this batch this week. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there's just, you know, there's nothing like when you hear a song that just grabs your brain and grabs your ears and you go oh man, I've never heard anything like this, and you get that endorphin rush. And so, you know, when we finally got enough of those in, we were like, okay, this is what the soundtrack is gonna sound like, and then that's what we did, is I think we put them on, we had a SoundCloud, mm -hmm. uh, the search season in the game, uh, we put them in the game, uh, and mm -hmm. then promoted the hell out of it, um, so. And the content they made after, yeah. oh, so good, yeah. so good. <laughs> One, and, and the other thing that I wanna say is like, because that was such a great collaborative experience, like, experience of like, two like-minded brands who are very based in like fandom and community and obviously discovery, we actually now have a great relationship where SoundCloud can often share music from you know, artists that we love that we know are independent you know, and, and need opportunity, AKA money, right? Resources, exposure, although not exposure dollars, important caveat. Um, you know, and now we can send, kind of say, hey, DK, we, we think this track's kind of tight. Would, is there space on it for 24, 23, 20, 20, I don't know, 10, uh, yeah, forever. So, it, you know, it's, it's been a really fruitful, I think, relationship for both of us because we both recognize that, like, A, independent artists need more opportunities, and that's exactly why SoundCloud exists, but it's also, you know, platforms, brands, people like you, and, and frankly, everyone on this panel, who have such a love and a passion for making sure that we're kind of like equalizing the music industry in a way where there are those opportunities, there are those touch points, there are those that there is that ability to get that check to pay your rent, you know. And it's not just like twenty dollars; like it is true like revenue that actually can change the lives of some of these artists because now they can afford studio time, or again maybe they can pay rent or you know quit their day job, you know things like that. So. Speaking of cool shit and music, um, <laughs> just gentle segue. segue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jen, obviously Microsoft being such an incredible company, especially an incredible company in sort of research and, and you know, kind of discovery, has had a pretty robust history in music. 
Um, and particularly with a lot of the projects you've built, because I'm a super fan of you. Um, what is sort of the process, now that we kind of know that programs like this exist, what is sort of the process um, for considering an artist, especially an independent one, for a product launch, for a feature in game, things yeah. like that? Kind of get as detailed as you can. Uh, first of all, it's a mutual admiration society oh. up here. Thanks, um, friend. But I think uh, at the core of everything, it really comes down to, and this is a real hot take, authenticity um, and representation, right? So you, you alluded to it earlier. It's no longer, you don't think about gaming as people sitting in their basement, and if you do, that you probably should not be in gaming. Mm -hmm. um, gaming mm -hmm. is everyone. So um, I think uh, everything that we do, we underscore with making sure that we have a through line, that we are actually being representative of the people who are who are playing games, which is just representative of humans. Um, and, and beyond that, I think... Um, you know, number one is, is what can we do that's going to really light up the community, uh, talking about opportunities with earned media or um, surprise and delight. Um, and then, you know, beyond that is, uh, you know, like I said, introducing new talent that, that is maybe not being looked at. I think we get really excited. Um, me specifically, um, I, I genuinely read every single article and I listen to every band. I, I do the work because like, I can't not do it. But when I hear, um, you know, before it was Lil Tecca, it's been um, Octavio the Dweeb, Joey Valence and Bray, like anyone who's talking about gaming, like, like we all want to see that, we want to see that representation in the people um, that we're working with. I think it gives us, it's, it's kind of like seeing your favorite band or your favorite uh, sports team. Like if you're wearing our colors, like we want to root for you. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I think I, I'm always looking for people that have like a through line um, that will appeal to gamers, even if they're not, you know, really a traditional gamer themselves. Um, so if we look at some of the programs that we've done, uh, we, we worked with um, with Lil Tecca for the Space Jam and New Legacy program um, because we, I had read about him um, sort of starting his rap career over his Xbox Live headset, like he was just doing diss tracks to his friends. Um, also a SoundCloud artist. <laughs> Thank you, moderator. Um, uh, and I, I just thought that was such a funny story, and we, we saw that he was going to be on the Space Jam uh, soundtrack, and so we got involved with making um, sort of an animated game with him. And certainly not a huge name and not the biggest name by a, a, a country mile if you look at the whole soundtrack. Um, but certainly the most exciting and compelling story to us because there's a, a, an authenticity through line there. Um, so that's something I'm always going to get excited about. And, and beyond that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for things that, that I'm amused by and I'm excited by. Like, I don't want to do the thing that everyone's expecting us to do. Um, for the um, for the PC Game Pass launch, um, we worked with with Lil Dicky and Gata um, and made I, I probably laughed for 24 hours straight um, just with them ad libbing throughout the content. Um, but you know, it was a very funny look at how other people you know think about gaming. And a lot of the ideas came from the artists that we were putting together in that piece of content, um, and then just sort of launching it at the Game Awards without any preamble and you know releasing a bunch of Game Pass codes, like anything that's just going to get people's attention that isn't yeah. what you're expecting us to do. Yeah, and I think it's important to know that like Little Tekka is probably a name that people know now, but when sure. you were working with Little Tekka, twenty nineteen, yeah, think, yeah, yeah, like person. they were. A pretty nascent artist. Yeah. I mean, I know we were working with them because that's what we do too, but like it, they were not exactly like selling out the major venues that they're selling out now, right? Exactly. And so I think that's the takeaway is like based on what DK said and kind of what we're all going to eventually say is like you got to be authentically in this space and you've got to really love it and believe in it and then the opportunities will come because people like us are looking for you. Yeah. Right? We want to know. Like, be vocal on your social media about what video games you love, what platforms you use, and also talk to your audience about it, too, right? Because 
they're also going to evangelize, you know, oh, hey, I also use, you know, Xbox. I also mm-hmm. play NBA 2K. I also want to hang out with Ender. You know, like things like that where it's like ultimately that, that's how the information gets shared because there's only so many of us to, to, to find these, you know, to source for these opportunities. We need you all to amplify it back to us so we can find that info, you know? But also be authentically you. Like I've hired a yeah. concert pianist. I've hired yeah. rappers. I've totally, hired, totally, you know, totally. super underground, you know, Dead Mouse to Macklemore to you know everybody in between. Yep. Like I, I want, I'm I'm not looking for a particular sound, and I don't think anybody is. Um, you know, especially on the soundtrack side, it's really about finding the thing that authentically fits what we're trying to do, or authentically fits the audience. I'd like to hire a lot of talent that that I love. Yeah, But totally. it's not about that. So yeah. don't try and program your music to be like sounding like something. Sorry, sounding like something else. It's it's really about finding the thing that that you're already doing. Totally. Kind of like taking a little sidestep into the sort of metaverse experience, if you will. Um, Inder, you know, Pixelink is such an incredible platform, and obviously you're working with Dead Mouse, like who is probably one of the smartest people on the planet. You are too, so this is great. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about like what unique challenge you think are coming up with music discovery in the metaverse. How you kind of see that future of that ecosystem, because it is kind of so new that there's not a lot of information out there. Sure, yeah, it's a really interesting, nuanced topic because music is complicated largely because of the rights and licensing landscape, right? So music in the traditional streaming kind of environment, very easy, right? People can understand it. Take it into an interactive space where now it's playable and and there's so much more to it. For some reason, the music industry crumbles and we can't deliver scale. So (laughs) for me, I'm like, before we even get to discovery, it's like the music industry has a problem with being able to get music into these spaces at scale and give artists the ability to truly take advantage of this platform. That's a, it's a huge problem, right? And that's just because of licensing and and rights. Um, So that's one of the first things. Um, Going from there, I think access is a big one. Again, we have a spectrum of platforms that exist, games that exist, right? So some are heavily curated and Mm -hmm. the soundtrack is chosen to like the T and it's an exceptional package. And then you have other platforms where music is more of a live operational kind of experience, right? The music is continuously flowing. There's new content that's coming in. That's the future that we, I assume is going to be the future that people will want, right? Yeah. They'll want to be in games where it's not just a fixed playlist. The music is continuously changing and evolving. And we have this challenge right now, and like, how do we get there? And a large portion of it is just lack of technology. There's no consistent player, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. that you can kind of say, like, this is the player to listen to your music in all of these games, right? Yeah. Those things are still of a while away, I think, from where we are. But the premise of the metaverse, I think, is going to touch on many of these ideas, right? Oh. Consistent players, you know, owning your music and being able to use it in, or listen to it in all of these different games. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a number of challenges. I, I kind of think about discovery as, you know, there's, there's so many ways to discover music, but I'm actually really concerned about this piece because yeah. the music industry needs to, I think, really learn from gaming. Right? We, there's so much yes. that we can pick up from the gaming industry in terms of how it's monetized, how it's created value. And yeah, I, so I'm kind of very much thinking about that next jump. It's like we, we first need to figure out how can we get music into these environments at scale, give artists access to be able to distribute their content into these environments, and then let fans choose what they ultimately want to play. And do it in a way that is with the artist first, not necessarily with supporting actors, if you will. I'm being really careful on how I say that. Um, You know, other entities that may represent the interests of artists. 
again, I'm being careful how I say that, like really thinking about, that's the beauty of like the future of the metaverse. And again, a, a lot of what you're doing, you know, with Joel, you know, Dead Mouse, he obviously understands how deeply complicated, if this wasn't a panel, I'd say fucked, um, how deeply kind of like not easy it is to be an artist and to make money on your music, right? And so to me, what's really special about like what y'all are building, and I know you can't go too deep into it, but like you're trying to figure out those problems. Yeah. And, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, so, so we have a game that we're developing called Alinxa, which is a cross-platform music game. And you can basically discover music in mobile, which is very much like a Pokemon Go style experience, mm -hmm. geolocation. You can find interactive music content anywhere in the world. And then we have a desktop game, which is more kind of immersive uh, virtual world. But yeah, just, you know, in that, the challenge has always been how do we now get artists to come and give us their content at scale? Because we want thousands of musicians to be able to use this canvas. Like, this is a medium for you to express yourself. And I think there is this interesting, you know, just transitionary phase that we're in right now where I think a lot of artists are realizing they need ownership and control to be able to truly take advantage of the metaverse and everything else that we, we see coming. And to unpack that, by ownership and control, we mean not selling your rights to your music, right? Like, being able to have your publishing, your mastering, and your performance rights, like, having all of those makes you very interesting to people like us, because A, you're essentially easier to work with now. We're not working with people who are brokering your deals on your behalf, who may not have your best interests in mind, and maybe they do, there are, there are some that do. But if you have that sort of like triumvirate of, of power, if you will, you're kind of actually a unicorn in the industry because there's this notion of like, oh, if I'm going to make it a music, I got to sign a record deal. But that's not really true anymore. You look like artists that like Chance the Rapper is a great example of like, hey, if you stay independent, you can really actually own your career. And I think especially as like we continue to build programming and other people in this space continue to build programming, being able to have all of those rights, again, like makes you a very interesting person to work with because that means you can iterate and iterate and iterate. It's not just like a one and done scenario. It means it could actually be a really interesting non-traditional revenue source for you. And by non-traditional, I mean not streaming or touring or merch sales, right? And so what it does is it kind of opens up an entire world where you can be a go-to you know, resource or, or musician or creator and collaborator. Because, you know, again, there are 40 million artists on SoundCloud. 40. 40 million. 40. Four zero. Yeah. And over 340 million tracks. It's a lot of music. Um, we like to joke that all the world's music is on SoundCloud. But, you know, <laughs> there are other companies that like that tagline, too. Um, anyway, and the, but the reason why I say this, that's a lot of music. And we were even just talking about how 15,000 songs took us six months to listen to, you know? And we, we were doing it as professionally as possible. We had a rating system, you know, we were trying to make sure we were really thorough. So if you own all of those rights, right, and you're vocal about what you're doing, people like us will find you because we're looking for you. And I think that's like one of the big takeaways that I kind of want to like all of you to know who are creators, musicians, is like, start talking about this. Start talking about how, you know, you are maybe not, you know, you have 100% of your publishing and your mastering. Because it does make it a lot easier for us to actually kind of do something really interesting and really creative. I went a little tangent there, but I think it's important you get like real information of this and not just us talking about cool stuff. Okay, coming back to you, DK. Taking a gentle pivot. Um, 
and this kind of got touched on a little bit by everybody, but like, can you talk a little bit about how you match songs, you know, and music content in general to the games in the Take Two portfolio? Like, how, what is that perspective? How does that look? And like, if you were to give me a brief right now, like, what would that brief kind of look like? That way, again, we kind of have some real world examples of how this works. Sure. Um, it's different for every game, uh, as you can imagine. We don't want to take a one-size-fits-all approach to curation for any title. You know, every, every, again, let's go back to identity. All those games have their own identities. They have their own sound. They have their own communities behind them. So um, it's, again, one of the most fun things we get to do is kind of figure out what the soundtrack for a game is going to sound like, what the mm -hmm. score is going to be like. Uh, it's dependent. Some of our studios have music directors. They have audio directors. They have music supervisors that are in-house at the studio. Um, at that point, our job becomes very support-oriented and kind of about, like, you know, give us your vision, give us what the creative vision is. But then what we try to do is bring a lot of those pillars in that we talked about a second ago, um, you know, yeah, really championing the independent voice, really trying to find music that hasn't really been out there or heard. Um, we're very kind of sensitive about, like, you know, let's take a song that has 50 million listens uh, on Spotify and put it in a game because we'll get 50 million listens in the game. That's not what we want to do. If that song is the right song for the creative, sure. But I think what we're more concerned with is we want to make sure that as you're experiencing this game, it feels, um, it feels authentic to you, that player, who loves that game, loves that community, and wants to you know, kind of understand more about how that all fits together. So um, a big part of what we do for NBA 2K, um, I'm a 41-year-old white guy, um, so <laughs> <What>? obviously there, <laughs> there's a team of about, uh, at any given time, there's about 10 people that we work with throughout the org uh, that come from all walks of life. Um, and again, uh, DEI is super, super crucial to what we do at 2K. I think arguably it's probably most important on a title like NBA 2K. Um, so again, all walks of life. And what we do is starting in about, like, October, November. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you playing along, we launched the game in September. We immediately jumped to start work on the next title. Um, and we start calling for music. We start trying to find out, you know, who's releasing music this year? Who's excited about our game? Who wants to be in the game? Um, you know, who's, who's up and coming? Who's established but maybe we haven't heard from in a while? Um, so we try to find, like, you know, just those tones and kind of things that will speak to the audience for that game. Yeah. Um, obviously, that game is a very different audience than something like Borderlands. Yeah, um, of course. You know, so, um, and, you know, it, uh, and there are development studios that we have uh, under the 2K umbrella that don't have any music support. And that's when we kind of come in as like a strike force. And I play music supervisor sometimes for those. Um, and it really just becomes about, you know, like music in video games can be such an afterthought. Uh, I think for a lot of games, I think, you know, it's the last thing they think about. The budgets are all dried up. They go, oh God, we gotta get music in the game. And to what Ender was saying, you know, it's, um, it's a complicated thing with the licensing and the rights. So um, there's a lot of kind of backwards homework that we have to do on what those rights are. Um, there's a lot of um, energy that gets put into, you know, casting a wide net for the things that we think we want and then trying to narrow that down. Um, I also think uh, a big part of what we do is really try to understand, like, um, you know, who is, who is this game going to be for? Mm -hmm. And using music to really push to those people, you know? Um, again, we don't want to necessarily glom on, you know, let's put a big artist in this game and that'll get us those views. This artist is right for this game, but we also know that that community is kind of our target for that game. So that's how we want to draw them in and, again, make them feel like that game is for them. So 
Uh, it's never the same process twice. Um, sometimes it's deep music supervision. Sometimes Though we wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's part of the challenge, yeah. and that's, yeah, yeah. that's part of the thing we like to uh, take on. Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, continuing on that vein of thought, um, Jen, I know, like, you know, like I've mentioned more than once now, you're pretty much like the master of like bringing music. Did I Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm just trying I'm to get you a raise. Um, you're pretty much the master of, you know, music placements and partnerships for a pretty damn huge company, um, one that I love very much. Um, I'm, I would love to know a little bit about how, like, Microsoft and you and your perspective of, like, what tracks or artists stand out, how do you, how, like, how does that work at Microsoft? How does that work in your world? Similar to kind of what I asked DK is, like, there, you would argue that the, the perspectives of MBA 2K and, and Microsoft may be different. Mm -hmm. So is there similarities in the same way you approach things? Or is there like, there's a vigorous vetting process, et cetera, et cetera, other than just like putting some artists that you, you love and respect on, on, on Blast? For sure, there's definitely some similarities. But I think if, if you look at, at Microsoft and Xbox um, side by side, Xbox is a lifestyle. People um, have an identity um, as, as a gamer, and it's like people don't like, I have a PC, but I'm not like, yes, I have mm -hmm. a PC. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's a very different, um, it's a very different operation to figure out music for, for different parts of the company, um, which is probably my favorite challenge, honestly. Um, I think um, you have, a, you have a, a higher bar to get it right on the gaming side because um, you know, because it is part of somebody's identity, because they are going to be listening to that and maybe playing it five to seven hours a day. I mean, yeah. I think we feel a lot more pressure to get it right on that side of the house. Um, it's not just a soundtrack. It's not just a score. It's, it's actually going to be a part of what somebody does in their day-to-day -day life for a certain period of time. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's one thing. I think um, beyond that, um, I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, somebody who's authentic, somebody who has a really interesting story, yep. um, somebody who uh, is not just, like, number one on a million charts. Like, obviously, that's nice, and, of course, everyone wants to see some of that. It also um, costs money. Yes, exactly. And I, I think an interesting thing is everyone thinks, you know, oh, Microsoft, you have so much money. Um, we all have very finite budgets. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, when you were talking about... Um, when you were talking about how expensive it is, it, it, sometimes it's just cost prohibitive for us to do. Yeah. Like, like we have some of the best ideas have you know died on the on the cutting uh, floor because we, we just don't have the budget to do it. So yeah, totally. and a lot of times it's it, you know somebody has uh, you know there's a, a different stakeholder in that music and you know one person won't approve this piece. Sometimes time is the killer of really good opportunities and sometimes it's uh, you know just budget uh, you know prohibitive. But yeah, so for that for that very reason, we're literally looking at the entire spectrum of music and SoundCloud. Yeah is an important tool. We're looking at artists that, you know, maybe do own their own catalog or that have a lot more say and, and we can turn it around really quickly. Sometimes, you know, time is just the enemy of being able to get something cleared. Uh, so broadly, we're, we're looking at every possible opportunity we can have, trying to find the right fit and making sure that it's telling a really interesting story. Yeah, and I think what's important too is Jen's perspective isn't just over games, right? It's across also a lot of the products that Microsoft is building, you know, Surface and, and things like that. It's not just you know, get song in game. It's also like get song to be a part of the content for the brand campaign mm -hmm. for product or game or, you know, paid media campaign or things like that. It's not just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put my song in a video game. Yeah. There's it's an launch event, it's content, yeah. it's partnerships, totally, totally, it's totally. Um, making custom consoles that are aligned with what they're, like we, we really do try to lift people up with like our platforms and with totally. the uh, tools that we have across all of our own and operated channels, I think. Um, 
finding an artist that we really believe in that we're excited about, like it makes us want to do everything we can to use our, our broad platform to help amplify. Totally, and I, I think the other thing that, you know, if I'm playing an advocate for y'all in the audience is like, it's not, and not all of it is like symphony or orchestral music, right? Like there are places for really dope artists like DC the Don who we synced to the NBA 2K soundtrack. <laughs> uh, he also played our SoundCloud Player One um, tournament, which was a Fortnite tournament that we did uh, in a Spider-Man mask. So he's like obviously a really cool dude. You should check him out. Uh, but nonetheless, there's, there's opportunities for all types of music. It's not just like the straight, like, oh yes, the Last of Us soundtrack. You know, it's like an incredible game and an incredible show, but like there is so much more expansive universe for music and gaming to come together that isn't just being in the game. And I'll tell you a secret. There's only six people working full-time in music at a company of almost 200,000, so it's a very small <laughs> network of us that are talking about... You're going like, to learn that's the, for if, all if of us. I found someone, and they're super easy to work with, and like yeah. we love yeah. booking them for something, I promise you we're going to make sure. And, and vice versa, if someone's horrible and really painful, <laughs> it's yeah. a very short circuit around the entire company and every single product, service, device that's, that's coming out. We were even talking about that last night over dinner, like who is the easiest artist you've ever worked with? You know, we're all in this space. We share that information. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not just like, oh, hey, are you a big name person who can drive a bunch of views? It's like, can you make our lives easier too? Uh -huh. The answer is usually no. Yeah, yeah, the answer is usually <laughs> please. Uh, Inder, in the same vein, it's kind of the same question going to you, you know, especially because maybe not everybody in the audience knows what Pixel Links is, but can you tell us your approach to bringing music into your platform, into the company, and into everything you're doing, you know, and like how do you identify, curate offerings for your users? Because there's, like you said earlier, there's so many different ways you do it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, the game that we're building is a music game, essentially. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. idea is really we want artists to be distributing content en masse, and, yeah. and we're building it to be a fully self-serve platform, so any musician can basically put their content into it. So in, in that sense, we think about every musician, and this is just a canvas for you as an artist to basically bring your creativity to life. Um, but you know, if we think about the phasing, right now, um, one of our core features is really around user-generated content. Yeah. We want artists to co-create with their fans, and I'll give you an example. Last year, we, we did something with Dead Mouse. Um, we, for his late, for his, one of his singles, we gave fans access to a bunch of 3D files and asked them to participate in a creator challenge. Yeah. And his music video was basically 100% made by his fans. It's an incredible video. It looks like cost a couple hundred grand, has 1.5 million views on YouTube, yeah. and it was 100% made by his fans. So that mechanic is something we really love, like the artist-fan kind of co-creation experience. And when we think about curation, right now it's artists who, who are willing to think about yeah. themselves in that way, like give a piece of your, you know, your assets to your fans and let's create with them, let's see what happens. So right now the curation is very much around artists who are thinking in that lens. It's like, right, what does, what does it mean to build with your fan base, to build a story world or to build a music video or maybe a remix? There's all these opportunities to create with your fans and get them involved and potentially even incentivize them in, in ways. Yeah. Um, so it's really thinking about artists who are open to that kind of perspective. And it's not for everyone, right? Some artists are so perfectionist with their craft that they don't want fans to come in and shape Totally. Them. They build an ecosystem that's like almost closed in their own identity. Right. You know, um, whereas embracing the fandom, embracing the, the people who are listening to you mm -hmm. is like 
kind of actually pretty new for artists to do it's because good. tools now exist for you to do that. And you know? fans are your biggest evangelists, right? Totally. So if you, like, if you empower them, they want to support, they really want to help. So we, I'm, I'm really thinking that like a lot of the time right now, it's artists that are open to this perspective on like, let's try and figure out this relationship between you yeah. and your fans and how can we empower it. Your art will always be, you know, the, 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 the totally. kind of masterpiece, but there's elements under there that, you know, your fans can come in and, and help shape. So, yeah, that, that's, that's right now. But long term, it's really every artist. We see this as a canvas for music to just be, go beyond the format of audio and into something more immersive. So, yeah, any I, yeah. I kind of got this, like, thought in my head while you were talking about that. You know, like, the metaverse is like a question mark for most people, right? But so was the invention of the synthesizer, right? And look at what that did to music. <laughs> I don't know. I think that one, that one won, right? And so, like, there is an entire world where perhaps the metaverse and being able to create in those spaces and collaborate with each other because you're making your stems available and perhaps you're actually tagging them correctly. That's really important, y'all, if you're a musician, um, especially for people like us. Um, if it's a guitar, it should be a guitar. It should be labeled guitar. Um, <laughs> you'd be surprised. Um, but, you know, and then what does it mean, like, even down the road? I'm going a little off book here, so forgive me. But what does that even mean down the road when we're now able to do blockchain and provenance and really sort of pay it forward? Where it's like now every time someone streams us, and this is all like none of this exists, right? We're just shooting the shit now. Um, but what does that mean almost if like now you can prove that a sample came from X creator, X artist, whatever you want to, however, what word you want to use. And now Y artist is using that in their song and now it's getting streams. And there's just this whole world that y'all are kind of building that could really enable that in the future. Yeah, completely. And I, I mean, you think about what happens today, even TikTok, right? Like yep. um, Lizzo comes in, does one dance, and 15 million pieces of content are created off the back yep. of that single moment. So artists have this incredible power to kind of engage their fans and create this totally. moment of energy. So yeah, like whether it's you know, putting things on chain or just artists kind of setting these fun challenges with their fans to co-create together, I think that is a really exciting future. And, one that, yeah, we're, we're... yeah, and I think the key, too, is as we build this future, you know, together and even with all of y'all, too, it's like, it doesn't all have to be in the service of commerce. It can also just be art, mm -hmm. right? And, like, I am always, that's why I stay at, Sound, that's why I'm at SoundCloud. There's a platform that really prioritizes art and the commerce will follow. And I think all of us are trying to really sort of keep that straight line, again, not to talk for all of you, when it comes to, it, like, empowering emerging artists, which is a fancy lingo for, you know, getting you paid, um, to do cool things like us is like we're trying to help keep the good fight when it comes to art versus commerce. Anyway, gentle aside. All right, last question for the whole panel. No pressure. I promise I'm not going to ask you what video games you play. Um, <laughs> If you, yeah, please ask. You can ask us afterwards. Um, and the other thing, too, is because we're coming up on time. If you have a question, you should probably start lining up, you know, now. Um, that way we can kind of, like, kick them out really quick. Last question for all of you. What advice would you give to emerging artists to set themselves up for success when pursuing opportunities in the gaming or in the metaverse? Oh, man. Go ahead, DK. You're always going first. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, now more than ever the power that the independent artist has is kind of like unprecedented, right? There's no reason that you need to have a major label deal. There's no reason that you need to have a manager. There's no reason you need to have a lawyer. You can do all these things by yourself with a little bit of initiative. 
The problem there, though, lies is that you know traditionally um, artists and musicians are kind of singularly focused, right? So now you have to become your own manager, you have to become your own lawyer, you have to become your own marketer, you have to become your own PR person. Mm -hmm. So um, this is all to kind of say that you know when you're looking to submit music, um, you know we want to see like a final product. We want to know who you are. Mm -hmm. Like tell us about you know your identity again. Tell us about your vibe. Who you know. Who are you as an artist? What is this album or what is this record uh, as an artist? What's the identity there? And really, we need a finished product. Um, sending us uh, things through SoundCloud is a great way to do it. Um, I didn't pay us... him to say that for the record. <laughs> no, uh, you know, make it easy for us to listen to and experience you right off the bat. Yeah. Because again, I think everybody on the, this panel has said it's you know it's a challenge to listen through as much music as we want to. And you know, you're always kind of chasing that carrot where you're going like, what if the next song I listen to is gonna be my favorite song I've ever heard? So make it easy for us to listen to. Um, also, uh, follow um, people in the industry on Instagram or on TikTok about, you know, there's uh, a number of, of people that I work with that are actively engaged in the industry right now trying to help independent artists kind of, you know, hurdle this major label 360 deal thing that we've been dealing with for 50 years. Um, one I would recommend really strongly is Low Profile. If you follow them on Instagram, uh, Jen Pierce, who runs that company, um, she is a champion for independent artists. She talks often on her Instagram channel about what do you do if you find yourself in a bad deal or you see a contract that has this clause in it and why mm -hmm. should you be wary of this? How should you arrange your stems? How should you send those things over? So. I think any more than now, you have to take a little bit more personal responsibility as an artist to take on all those additional roles. That gives you so much control over your identity again and, and the power that you have. So I'd say that's a, that's a big part of it. And then just be prepared to have the door slammed in your face and get a lot of no's and a personal. lot of non-responses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not personal. It's just there's, um, you know, there's so much music to listen to in the world. Um, you know, you, you've really got to champion yourself and just uh, I, I, the one thing that I really um, would want to push just in finality or closing here is uh, Rick Rubin. You know, he is very famous for saying, make this thing for you. Mm -hmm. Do not make it for me. Do not make it for them. Do not make it for a record label. Make what you want to make, and when you're happy with it, then start putting it out there. And don't ever compromise that. Don't ever, you know, follow a trend. Don't ever, you know... Make the, the thing that you want to hear, and then the rest will kind of fall in place if you have the initiative and the hard work that you can put behind it. You just stole all the greatest headlines. Mm. Um, riffing on that, I will just say, make sure you know who you are and make sure you know who you're getting in business with. Um, mm -hmm. Who you align your music with becomes part of your sonic identity. So if you don't like PCs and don't use them, somebody's eventually going to call you up because they're going to see you using a different type of device. Yeah. <laughs> I'll use your tech. Um, or if you're not a gamer and you try to act like you are, real gaming fans are going to call you out. And it won't be are. pretty. What's that? And it won't be pretty. It, it, honestly, there's, you think trolls are bad. Mm -hmm. Like, wait till you get into the gaming arena. But I think, so, so understand who you are. Don't follow the trends. Be exactly who you are. Like, yes, it's amazing. Everyone's, you know, doing these great TikTok videos and getting dance crazes. But that's not for everyone. Like, some things mm -hmm. that, that doesn't work. And we, that's, like, repellent to our audience. So I guess the best advice I can be is, is be who you are and, and make sure you understand who you're getting in business with. 
All right, Ender, take mm, us home. Yeah, a quick one. Um, so I think um, you know the, we've covered so much amazing ground. The one thing that I'm I'm really interested in is you know musicians have you know we we're like making music. We're used to creating audio, but the metaverse is 3D assets and a whole spectrum of new file types and creation you know mm -hmm. outputs that you're not used to. So either build a collective of people who understand these mediums or start playing around with it yourself. Mm -hmm. And and I would you know. It's cliched, but like AI is probably going to help you get there in terms of expressing your vision yeah. in these new formats quicker than anything else. So there's yeah a lot of things that I would touch on, but for me it's definitely the medium and just surround yourself with people who understand how to communicate in these new spaces because it's not I don't think it's as like straightforward to just go music into game. Like the opportunity is so much bigger for you to take advantage of what you know games web3 and everything else kind of has to present so just kind of you know surround yourself with the right uh, collectives who, who who understand it i'm i'm more than happy to help if, with any of that as well if you want to reach out yeah yeah and i think you know just being from a platform perspective we want you to learn who your audience is and how to connect with them and know how they feed into your energy and you feed into their energy because there's something special about the artist to fan relationship you know, we're all like, oh, the Bayhive or the Swifties or, or you know, whatever. And those are, you know, there's a reason why those exist and why those artists are now able to do deals with Adidas and deals with whatever and whatnot. And I'm not saying you should be aspiring to that level of fandom, you know. Um, but if you understand who your fans are, you're now also somebody who knows how to talk to them and knows how to get them to sort of buy your merch, go on tour, buy a video game things like that. That to me is kind of also the future of music and the future of this space is knowing who your fans are. Mm. All right, if you can do me a favor, say your name and that way we can address you like a human. That'd be awesome. Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Andre Mastrandria. I go to University of Connecticut. That's why I'm here. Nice. Um, so as an artist myself, I'm wondering how much of you guys are talking. There was a lot of different things going on. I can see there was a lot of shifting moments. How much of it is music that you've picked from artists and how much of it is uh, you guys asking those artists to make music for the game that is obviously separate from the soundtrack. Jen, DK, you want to On talk? On our side, we have a rich history of original composition. Minecraft, Halo, there's, there's a lot of things that are original composition, but I would say traditionally in gaming, it's usually music that's already been pre-recorded and, and we're, we're inserting that into whatever content, um, but certainly both happen. Yeah, we don't ask anyone to make music. You just put it on our platform. DK? Uh, it's both and for us. Um, go Huskies, by the way. My mom's a UConn graduate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it's both and. And here's the thing is that we want to create opportunities for artists to make music for us. But what we also don't want to do is go, hey, make a song about how great 2K is. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. That's not what we're doing here. What we're trying to do is bring our community to those artists. And because these artists love NBA 2K so much or love one of our games so much, they'll make a song that's authentically feels like that should be in that game. So it's both and. Um, one of the things we're doing, just a quick plug, is called the Producer Series, where we have uh, a number of Grammy award-winning nominated producers, Wonder Girl, Big Duke, um, uh, Boogs, um, and we had them create beats for us um, that were bespoke, but they own those beats. We don't have any part of that, and all we did was get the rights to put that out to our community and say, hey, here are some beats. We know you all are in your headphones, like little Tekka, like rapping at each other mm -hmm. over the beats in the game. District. Why not have some instrumental ones that were made for our community that you can then, and we have people put that on our uh, social media with a hashtag and then call those out as we see good ones. So uh, it's definitely both and. We love when artists love our games enough that they want to make a song for us, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be about the game or a campaign for the game or an ad for the game. 
Thanks for the question. Yeah, really good question. Thank you. All right. We only have five minutes, so we're going to try to do this mad Pretty quick. Fast. How, uh, howdy. I am Eduardo, and my question is, uh, indie developers for games obviously don't have money to pay Drake to use, um, you know, nonstop or something. You don't have to, though. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. So where do they go to find music, like indie-level game development companies? Is there a platform where they look, like, specifically, like a music library or something? <laughs> I hate to say it, but I SoundCloud. hear there's a platform called SoundCloud. Yeah. No, you know, but, like, literally, we have hashtags that say... Music for games, music for atmosphere. Like, use the hashtags on our platform, you will find music, and then what you will do is you will find a collaborator, right? Because most of the artists that are active on SoundCloud are independent, and so therefore they're willing to work with you to do something really great, and then you're not cutting them a Drake-sized check, right? And like, they own their own content. And they own their own content, yeah. and you're already like ahead of a bunch of legal bullshit that may come down the road. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble from our PR people. Um, that's gonna come down the road if you're trying to work with a Drake and you're doing it inauthentically. The other thing I will say, I will be unbiased, and I will say there are other platforms like Epidemic Sounds, right, which make a bunch of beats or have producers that make Drake-like beats or sounds that you can probably buy a subscription to mm -hmm. and then go that route. Those are, what, you know, they're like sound libraries, if you will. They may not fully fit what you're doing, but it may be a good starting place or a point of inspiration, and then you can kind of build your own relationships from there. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Sorry to take that one on. All right, next. Hi, I'm Alex. Hey. And I was wondering if um, the same way that you work with artists and musicians, you also work with uh, music curators. So do you ever externalize a little bit um, of the research and of the curation? And how can I get into that? On our side, I mean, we've certainly reached out to vendors and other folks like to help us scale, um, especially we have a, a very vast library. of, And, and some, sometimes the publisher reaches out and they have their, like, within our ecosystem. So yes, it definitely happens. Um, it's probably not as much the norm, but it does happen. Yeah, I think SoundCloud is a platform where a lot of curators make their own way anyway, and they build their own radio stations and podcasts and things like that, and their own playlists. Like, we do work with curators, but also we have an in-house team of awesome curators, because yeah. that's what we do for a living, right? Is like, we know what's next in music, and we have people internally who do a lot of that. It's good to get outside voices, though, honestly. True. Like you become True. an echo chamber if it's just the same people booking the same thing. So. Yeah, and when we create like content right about a certain genre, like a micro-genre that only exists on SoundCloud, if you will, we'll work with that community. We won't pretend like we know everything about Digicore or Plug or Funk or any of these really amazing genres that exist. I'm not making them up. And so like, we'll work with the community. We famously paid Billy, who's like the head of you know, Underground Vampire Club, to be our curator when we did our Digicore series. It's like, that's how we think about it is we're not the experts, but we know how to find the experts. Yeah. Thanks for your question. Good question. Hello. Hey. <clears throat> My name's Tessa. Um, hey. So I'm an artist manager, mm -hmm. and I kind of get the feeling that you don't want to talk to people like me. Not, Not at all. Not true. Okay. Not at all. So that was that was kind of my question. Is yeah. like I heard like I heard a little bit of like who hurt you? Like you maybe wanted to talk directly to artists and not so much to maybe a manager. And I agree, you don't need a label. You definitely need an attorney if someone. Oh, for sure. Do a for contract, sure. Please do that. 
Um, we need a business-minded person who can help translate if the artist can't do that. So I would say the manager is probably the most integral part of that whole collection. Right. <clears throat> so for someone like myself, how do I get my guys? And I represent a lot of producers, too, who are not necessarily artists who perform, but yeah. have access to a lot of like unreleased beats or tracks or new artists that will be big but aren't yet. How do I, like, where do I put them so that you can find them easily that isn't just SoundCloud? Because I love SoundCloud. No, no that's yeah. fine. R.I.P. Little Peep. But, like, where, how do I do that? We take open pitches all the time, mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, like, just because we said, like, you know, we, we may not be able to get to you, we may not be able to listen to you, which is the truth, that doesn't mean we don't. Um, I get pitched all the time. And I should qualify. If you have a manager, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, um, no, no, no. That, yeah, that's a I misinterpretation yeah, of what I, we were saying. I work almost exclusively with the manager. You have to. Because um, the artist only needs to be concerned about making the music yes. and being the artist. The manager's the one that's got to figure out, like, okay, how are we going to license this? What rights and terms are we going to put behind it? What are we going to do this? So, how do we get that um, sample cleared that we yeah, use? Yeah, and, and I should clarify, if you're able to have a manager and a lawyer, mm -hmm. great, you should. Yeah. Um, I think with the advent of things like ChatGPT, I think with the advent of things like online law, um, the needs for those for musicians, when they're first starting out, it's not unnecessary because not everybody can pay $450 for billable hours. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, managers, we love hearing from them. You know, give us your pitch, give us your brief, give us your artist portfolio. Again, make it so easy to listen to that all I have mm -hmm. to do is click and I can listen to your entire artist. LinkedIn we is love your disco. LinkedIn is great. Yeah. Um, disco, we actually just onboarded disco into 2K, so it makes it incredibly easy if you use disco to send us music because then we can share it throughout the org. And again, all those people that help us curate, uh, you know, our game, NBA 2K, uh, Christian Prieto's here is one of our. Um, senior guys on the brand team like that allows us to be able to share that so seamlessly and instantly with that group and get that feedback in that's really what we're looking for so and sometimes when you have an awkward yeah. conversation to have it's not fun to have it with the artist directly so yeah. Yeah. we very yeah. much appreciate you <laughs> yeah and I think just just to clarify I'm more talking record labels I'm not talking artist oh, managers yeah, no, same you yeah. don't need a label. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> deep clarifier deep clarifier hey hey folks my name is Eric I've been to your Orchestra Gold. We're playing a couple of shows here. Nice. Um, as an independent artist, we do so much pitching all the time, in and out. Every single unorthodox way you can think of to pitch, we've tried it. I'm just curious if you could talk about maybe sometimes where you've heard a pitch and something about it that was sticky for you that really made it like land. Um, sometimes you can just send cold emails all day and you just don't get any response. So I'm just, I'm just curious about that. Um, it, it, I can good. answer this like two I was gonna say, ways. It's good music, really. That's like yeah, the answer. It, I mean, it's just the, yeah. the music's got to hit. It's yeah. got to hit. Mm -hmm. It's the, I, and you know, I, I don't like this metric, but I think a lot of people use it. It's like, you know, within the first 30 seconds yes. of a song, if it's, if it's working for you or not. And sometimes it's not that it's a bad song. It's mm -hmm. just not right for the product, right? Or it's just not right for the vibe that we're trying to put in. But mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, again, just as professional as possible, you can make like that pitch or that brief. Um, keep it short. Like, you know, I, I get, you know, three paragraph essays about how much they love the game and how much they want to be in it. And I love reading that. I love hearing that. But then if the music doesn't hit when it, you know, mm -hmm. it follows with it, it's kind of like, well, there's not much we can do here. Give um, some bullets, like I'm a huge gamer or yeah. I love X, And this y, is the platform I Give use. Give us a reason to yeah, care yeah, about yeah. the music before we even listen. Care about your artwork. Mm -hmm. Oh, that too, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah artwork has taken a big hit in the fast turn music mm -hmm. phase that we're in right now. And like the, the marriage of art and music, especially when it comes to like an album cover or something like that, yeah. like that tells us who you are. That gives us an idea about what your identity. Mm -hmm. 
And I will say, I have a lot of empathy for the, the pitch yeah. process, right? Because mm-hmm. I used to run I'm the sure advertising side of the SoundCloud business for quite some time. Pitching sucks. Mm-hmm. But it is worth it for that one time you get it, mm-hmm. right? And that's the high you ride and you think about as you're pitching is like, damn, wouldn't it be dope if I got this? <laughs> and you just kind of keep, I know it sounds like really woo-woo, but like keep that in mind because that will keep you writing oh, that yes. pitch from a place of happiness, authenticity, and excitement rather than, fuck, this is the 30th pitch I've done this week. <laughs> Nobody wants to read that essay, right? So I think, I hate to say it, like keep the positive perspective while you're doing it too. Thank you for that, guys. Yeah, thanks. All right, last one. Hey, guys, my name's Tom. I'm hey, Tom. director of Smart Sync Services at SongTrader. Um, I'm really sorry about my questions about digital rights and licensing, and I know we've not got no time. <laughs> we could be Our lawyers are not present, Saturday. so we might yeah. not be able to help you. Um, <laughs> I was wondering how you have altered your licensing deals to deal with um, UGC, basically, and, and people uploading content uh, with the music in the background of that content. Uh, that is Lawyers. a battle. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna just, I mean, just on the legal side, I mean, I think we, we have um, anytime we're going to do anything, it's vetted to death. So, um, you know, and with the advent of AI, uh, not being able to identify what pieces are holistically owned by someone, I think we have a lot of onus. Thankfully, that goes to legal. But there's a lot of onus on us to make sure that we're representing the artist authentically and, and that we're paying the artists that are making the content. So I would just say we, we do a ton of vetting, but are we always perfect? Probably not. <laughs> On our site, obviously, UGC is kind of where everything is headed, right? Content is Mm -hmm. where everything Mm -hmm. is going. So we've been aware of that for a while, and what we're trying to do is really work into our agreements that, like, in context rights. So if you're streaming and the game is playing and the music is playing in the game the way that it is presented in the game, uh, it's not pulled out and done a separate sync, um, that's a right that we extend through our games now. Um, Another thing that we're doing is working again, here we go, with a lot of independent artists and people that are not necessarily locked up on those UGC rights Mm -hmm. and can grant us easier rights. Um, And you'll see some more things from 2K in the very near future about how we address content creation and how we marry UGC with the artists that we like. And spoiler alert, SoundCloud is working some that too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you all for being here. You were an awesome audience. We really appreciate it.